Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. What was once the domain of theoretical physics is now something that is observable. The phenomenon of black holes, and it's long been theorized that there was a black hole lying at the center of our galaxy. And maybe that's the norm in other galaxies, too. This one became known as Sagittarius A-star, thanks to the event Telescope Horizon collaboration. We can now see it. They released an image of this black hole, which is quite an achievement. Only the second time we've captured an image of a black hole. Uh, Dr. Avery Broderick is an associate professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Waterloo Research Associate at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics and was on hand for the recent announcement. Joins us to talk about the significance of this achievement. Dr. Broderick, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Happy to be here with you again, Rob. Quite a historic announcement. You were on hand for it. Just let me get your thoughts on, on how big this was. Oh, it's it's magnificent for us. You know, the um, there's no greater advance in science than going from one to two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one might be an accident, might be a fluke, might be a chance happenstance, but two is a uh, confirmation, is a comparison, and in this case, an especially useful contrast because these two black holes are about as far far apart as you could be on the astronomical spectrum. Yeah. And so seeing uh, what is the same between them, seeing that shadow, uh, that's, that's just uh, kind of trippy stuff for us. Prior to this, what did we know about Sagittarius A-star, which I, I guess is how we pronounce it. It sort of looks like it's A with an asterisk, but I think we call it Sagittarius A-star. So what, what did we know about it? Yeah, so, so we, what we knew about it actually came from observing the, uh, the massive bodies around it, observing... Uh, stars orbiting it. So in the same way that you might uh, weigh the sun using the orbits of the planets, uh, Andre Ghez and Reinhard Genzel and, and their um, collections of collaborators have been watching for two decades stars moving at uh, something like 1% the speed of light, zipping around this dark mass that uh, had only a very, very faint infrared signature. Um, and, and from that, they were able to nail the mass down. You mentioned 4 million mm -hmm. uh, in your introduction, and, and that's where that number comes from, 4 million suns. So if you can imagine that, there was this 4 million sun dark mass, less bright than all of the stars in the vicinity. Uh, and we knew it was there. It was betrayed by the, uh, the, the motion of those stars. Obviously, you need a pretty big and a pretty powerful telescope to, to see this. And the Event Horizon Telescope collaboration kind of gives us that. It, it creates that. Tell us a bit more about this collaboration. Yeah, so this is, this is a truly global project. Uh, we, we make an Earth-sized telescope. And we do that by combining individual telescopes from around the Earth that together can do this extraordinary trick of, of uh, approximating or synthesizing into something that really is an Earth-sized Earth -size telescope without, of course, you know, putting everybody in the shade. And, uh, you know, that, that means that we have to have people all over the globe, you know. So, so my joke was, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we just went from Zoom calls in our offices to Zoom calls in our kitchen. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, you know, that's how we do it. That's the trick is to take telescopes on either side of the planet and uh, mix and match them together in a special way, completing, completing the telescope process on big computers um, to, to generate the highest resolution images 
ever produced in astronomy. Yeah, and it's remarkable to see this and to just, you know, come to, you know, to grasp what it is we are seeing. And you, you mentioned, so the, the black hole in the uh, Messier 87 galaxy, which is a lot larger than our own monster here in our galaxy, but we do see similarities. Like the pictures are, are similar, like the, the donut shape. What are the, yeah. the differences and the, the similarities here? Yeah, so, so uh, M87, Messier 87. Uh, that, that's a heavyweight, uh, mm -hmm. even amongst supermassive black holes, six and a half billion suns. And it lives at the heart of a supercluster. It's being fed and, and generating outflows. It's kind of the paradoxical nature of astronomical black holes, even though they're the perfect prisons. You know, that event horizon, when you cross, people stop responding to your tweets. Um, but they're able, nevertheless, to power the most energetic and uh, uh, brightest events in the universe. And M87 is a good example of that. And in contrast, Sagittarius Star is a featherweight. And that's probably the only context in which you'll hear anybody refer to <laughs> something that's 4 million solar masses as a featherweight. But it's 1,500 times lighter. And it's starved. It's not producing much of anything. It's not even as bright as a bright star. Uh, and, and yet... You know, despite being as different as you possibly could astronomically, um, when you look at that shadow, it looks almost identical mm -hmm. to M87s. You have that dark shadow in the center, that event horizon silhouetted against the surrounding luminous plasma, right? And it's, uh, to me, I mean, it's just striking what's the same, you know, even though we have such different uh, uh, astronomical environments. So this adds to our, our understanding, or at least adds to the, the thinking that this is a common feature of galaxies to have a supermassive black hole sort of at the center. So what, what would be the reason for that? What, what is the cause of, of having these, these black holes and sort of at the center of, of galaxies? Well, that's, that's one of the great mysteries and, and something that hopefully we will, we will be contributing to as we better understand how black holes form, how they grow, especially because these supermassive objects we know have to have a slightly different story than the, than the black holes that are produced as the endpoints of massive stars that uh, the gravitational wave experiments like LIGO have been seeing. So there is, a, there is a mystery there, and that's a great question. Why does every galaxy seem to have one of these supermassive monsters? And, and somehow the supermassive monster knows about its galaxy. Bigger galaxies have bigger supermassive black holes. Smaller galaxies have smaller supermassive black holes. And, uh, you know, for, for a long time, people thought maybe this was because a bigger galaxy can support a bigger central, central monster. But, you know, as, as of about 30 years ago, it became clear that those central black holes, they were not passive observers. They were, they were drivers. And, and uh, one of the big stories of the past three decades has been the recognition that even though these black holes, as massive as they are, comprise a tiny fraction of their galaxy's total mass, can nevertheless rule its fate. And this all comes together in an answer to this question that you know we're still trying to put together. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.